Welcome to Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you? Who are so wise? Well, recently I had the chance and the opportunity to preach from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22, on the subject of persecution, being persecuted for our witness in Christ. At the end of the, of the, end of the sermon, uh, I gave four recommendations that I think might be helpful to you whenever you find yourself, you know, canceled or somebody pushes back on what you believe. Take a listen. My question then becomes, what can we learn from this? What, what, what does this have to teach us? We're not, we're not being hauled into court at this point, at least so far. Um, but, but is there anything in here that we can learn? Of course we can, because there's opposition to the gospel. You have probably experienced it in your own family life or your friends' lives. You know it, you sense it, you feel it. So what, what can we do? And, and I think I, there's four things here I think that we can do. First of all, be prepared. Secondly, don't panic. Third, expect power from the Spirit. And finally, proclaim the name. And here's what I mean, be prepared. This is what Peter wrote in one of his letters to the churches that were being persecuted in his day. Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. Don't be afraid of man, is what he's saying, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, do this instead. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Very important phrase. Always being prepared to make a defense of anybody who asks about the hope in you. So what Peter is saying, by the way, that almost sounded contradictory to me. Like Jesus said, don't give a thought about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give it to you. And then you have Peter over here saying, be prepared. Well, I think their emphasis are different. For Peter, Peter is saying, it is a natural thing for us to be afraid of people's opinions of us. Anybody want to raise your hand and say, you know what I really love? Rejection. Anybody? Nobody? And when we share the gospel, we feel that rejection. We feel it, it gets really personal. And Peter is saying, look, if you don't want to fear man, but rather fear God, set Christ apart in your heart every single day, every waking moment of every day, as the Lord who is holy. He's calling on an Old Testament name for God, which means the Lord of the armies. The Lord of the armies. You're in an army, you got an army with you. So, so, prepare yourself that way and then in the heat of the moment don't panic don't panic take a breath fix your heart on the sovereignty of God remind yourself that the circumstances you just walked into were prepared for you long ago by God before the foundation of the world so that you might have something good to say about Jesus just remember Esther, Queen Esther, in, in the book of Esther. You know, what did Mordecai say to her? How do you know, Esther, if God hasn't brought you to this time and place for such a time as this? There you are. You're right there. You're right where God wants you. He has placed you there. And then expect power. We, we, we read here, didn't we, that, that Peter was filled with the Spirit. Expect power. And here's how that power comes. You are not speaking alone. Whenever you witness for Christ, you're not witnessing alone. Jesus said, my father witnesses 
to me through my words and my works. Say that in John 5, I believe. So the Father is the chief witness to Jesus. He is the chief. He is saying, this is my son. By the things he says, by the works he does, this is my son. I am telling you, as if he is on trial, he is my son doing these things. So the Father is now speaking through you as you speak for Christ. Not only that, the Holy Spirit gets involved, right? Peter was filled with the Spirit. He then starts to speak about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's role is sort of like the executive. He's the executive who takes the words that you're saying, the witness of the Father about the Son and applying it to your audience in their hearts. His role is to convict the heart of its need for Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. So every single time you're like flustered and you're saying all the wrong things and you get, you know, it's like, well, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, he was like born in Bethlehem and then, and then they had to run and they had to go to Egypt and, and then they came back and thought, no, we'll go to, you know, and you're doing this geography lesson and, 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 and your audience is wondering, like, when is this ever going to be over? Listen, even those lame words, even those faltering thoughts are seed in the hands of the Father who's the chief witness and the Spirit who is the executive witness for the Son's witness. Have you, I, mean, I know that you've done this, right? Three, you, you, inter, you have an interaction with somebody and you just walk away going, that was, the, that was the worst presentation of the gospel I've ever done, right? And then three days later you go, oh man, if I had only said. How many of you have ever been there? Done that? Yeah, don't worry about it. Just, it's okay. It's okay. We're lame. We get it. But God is doing the work. We can't see the work that God does. It's a seed that's planted. We can't see it. And who knows if that seed won't spring up into eternal life someday. And we may never see it. But how do you know? You don't. So even though you've done your best to plan and you get all freaked out and, and you're not really sure about what you're saying, just go ahead and present the name of Jesus. Now, I think it's interesting. Peter says at least uh, uh, six times in chapters two to five, this is my paraphrase, you killed him, God raised him. He says something like that six separate times to different audiences. Man, you would think this, like Pastor Jamie says, this is no way to gain a crowd. But I think there's something more going on in Peter than just laying blame. He's certainly laying the guilt out for them. He wants them to know, you guys, you rejected Christ. You had him crucified. You are guilty of a cosmic crime. You are guilty of the worst crime that's ever been, ever been performed in all of history and never will be performed again. You are guilty of all of that. But I want to tell you something. If Jesus stayed in the grave, you're dead. But because God raised him, you have a chance to come to Christ and receive forgiveness. If God didn't raise him, it's all over. But God raised him. And even your sin, even your sin that executed the Son of God, murdered him, crime, even your sin that executed him is now in his hands the way to execute your salvation. So it gets completely turned around on them. And they could say, 
You mean Jesus would forgive me for rejecting him? Of course, of course, because we all did. We may not have nailed him to the cross personally, but we may as well have. And he forgives those who come to him in repentance. This is what I think is lying underneath the motive of Peter saying, you killed him, God raised him, God raised him. And if he's not raised from the dead, we're all finished. And so the resurrection proves that second chances and more are available and the new reality for all sinners who put their trust in Christ. I'm gonna close in prayer for two, two folks that may be here this morning. The first is, are those, those people who say, you know, I'm, I'm not there. I thought my sin had left, yeah, I, I was left behind. There, there was no way I could even think that God would accept me because of all the stuff I've done. I hope you understand from what we just looked at that there is no sin beyond God's grace. He will save to the uttermost, the uttermost parts of the earth and the uttermost parts of sin. The second group I want to pray for are people like us who get all tongue-tied, you know, and, and stammer, and we do our best and we feel lame. That God will just help us. God will just help us. We'll do what we need to do to prepare. God will help us to do that. And then, and then, like Peter says, we'll be ready. We'll be ready with a good answer that witnesses and testifies to the glory of Jesus Christ. 